Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Some moments are immortal. In 1950, at the end of the first half of the century, the Associated Press asked all of the sports writers across the country to weigh in on and vote on the most immortal, the most momentous moment in sports in the first half of the century. And they had lots of things to choose from. It was the beginning of American football, as we've come to call it. It was also when we saw Babe Ruth, the great Babe, supposedly call his shot. It was also Jesse Owens at the 1936 Olympics. There were lots of great moments for the sports writers to choose from. But the one that they settled on is one that you might not even know about or remember. It's a moment that's captured in the picture you see on the front of your worship folder. The year is 1923. It's 100 years ago. And in 1923, boxing was the king of the sports world, if you can believe that. And the one who wore the crown was a guy by the name of Jack Dempsey. Jack Dempsey was the heavyweight champion of the world. He was beloved. This was, they called him the Manasseh Mauler. And Jack Dempsey, he was going to be sitting in, or weighing in against the, this Argentinian named Angel Furpo. He was supposedly the heavyweight champion of South America. They called him the Wild Bull of Argentina. And so it was going to be Dempsey versus Furpo, Jack versus the Angel. And more than 80,000 people get together at the polo grounds in New York in order to see this heavyweight bout. And when they do, they're expecting it to be a rout. I mean, Jack Dempsey, he's, he's kind of the Goliath in this matchup. He's got all the momentum behind him. He's on his home turf. He's got the crowd behind him. He's got everything going for him. Angel Furpo, meanwhile, he's just this upstart, but he was known for being kind of crafty in his boxing. So the fight starts, and Dempsey gets some hits and even drops Furpo to the mat a couple of times. But Angel, he's, he's not ready to give up. He keeps coming after Dempsey. Boom, boom, boom. Gets him into a corner. And then this moment, the moment that's immortalized in the picture, the moment that blew everybody away, suddenly this Angel gives a cross to Dempsey and knocks him clear out of the ring. The crowd is absolutely dumbstruck and silent. They can't believe it. Their champion has suddenly been tumbled out of the ring, down for the count. After the fall, the champ is still standing. That's the moment that was chosen by the sports writers. That after the fall, the champ still standing. You know, it's a cautionary tale, not unlike the story of Adam and Eve. And if you'll bear with me, Adam and Eve are a little bit like Jack Dempsey in this scenario, right? They're the ones who are wearing the, the crown of creation, the crown of all of God's creation, and they have everything going for them. All the momentum is behind them. There they are on their home turf in the Garden of Eden. God's blessing, living in fellowship with him, in communion with him. They have everything going for them. But then there's this crafty upstart who suddenly comes in, not an angel, but a, a fallen angel, right? It's the serpent. Satan slithers his way into the garden and starts tempting Adam and Eve. Martin Luther says that if you give even a crack to Satan, that's enough. Because as long as he can get his head through, his whole slithery body will follow. See? And so it is with Adam and Eve. 
He quick gets Eve back on her heels by asking her questions, seemingly innocuous questions, but did God actually say? It's not such a harmless question. See, he's trying to go right to the heart of the matter. He's trying to to go right to the, the basis of Eve's identity. Are you certain, are you sure, Eve, that you are beloved by God? Do you know that you're actually his child? Can you trust him? I mean, really? Are you sure about that? He's certain. He's trying to cut right to her identity. And here you have Adam and Eve. Everything was on their side. They should be the reigning heavyweight champions of the world. They should be the one that easily KO the evil one. But instead, they are the ones who are KO'd. They are the ones who are knocked not out of the ring, but out of the Garden of Eden. And ever after that fall, we are still feeling its aftershocks today. You and I are feeling the aftershocks of that fall when we succumb to temptation. And you know what? In the season of Lent, it's easy for us to talk about temptation in terms of really superficial type stuff. Oh, I had one too many cookies or something like that. But the really significant temptations are the ones that go so much deeper. The the temptations to anchor our identity in something other than in the, the truthfulness and the belovedness of God. When we think, oh, what makes me who I am is what I do, is my achievements, whether it be my, my profession, my vocation, whether it be some kind of demographic category, whatever it might be, there's that temptation to anchor our identity in something rather than in God. There are those temptations for us to listen to the evil one's voice and to believe it, to believe that it's more important for me to please other people than to please the Lord. It's more important for me to follow after the crowds than to follow after my Savior. Those are the real temptations, the temptations that count and the ones that you and I give into all too often. We're still feeling the aftershocks of that fall. And most especially, most obviously, in the fact that mortality still reigns in at 100%, that each and every one of us dies. It's not just part of life. It's part of the effects of the fall, the curse of sin. And so after that fall, the chant still stands. Is it too much to call the devil the practically undisputed champion of the world? Well, humanly speaking, in this earthly life, it sure feels that way. And Jesus himself will call Satan the prince of this world. Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air. He is a heavyweight champion whom you and I should not take lightly. In the great hymn, which we'll sing later, A Mighty Fortress, Martin Luther himself says, On earth he has no equal. He's talking about the devil, y'all. The devil is the prince of the power of the air, the seemingly heavyweight champion of the world, because after the fall, the champ still stands. Until a contender should arise, a new contender for the crown. Scripture calls Jesus the second Adam, the second Adam. And isn't it interesting how much the tables have turned from the first Adam to the second? The the first Adam had everything going for him. He had all the momentum on his side. He was the one who was the the crown of creation, who was there on his, his home turf, who had all of God's power behind him. And now we see Jesus, and Jesus could not be more vulnerable. 40 days out in the wilderness, 
The wilderness was famed for being the stomping ground of the evil one. The wilderness was out where the scapegoat was sent. The wilderness seemed to be the place devoid of God's blessing. That's where Jesus is. 40 days, hungry, lonely, wondering whether his father is going to be there for him, have his back. and He'll be faithful to him all the way to the end of the line. Jesus couldn't be in a more vulnerable place. All the momentum seems to be on Satan's side. How the tables have turned. But then, then the fight starts. And you notice how the devil, <laughs> you can't teach a dog, new, an old dog new tricks. You can't teach an old serpent new tricks either, apparently. He's still going after Jesus the same way he was after Eve by trying to cut right to the heart that question of identity. If you are the son of God, which is to say, if you are the one who is beloved of the Father, well, I know you're hungry. Why not turn these stones into bread? If you are the Son of God, why not climb up to the, the top of this tower and throw yourself down? You notice Satan even quotes Scripture. We should be careful with proof texting. Satan knows the Bible too. <laughs> All of these different strategies that Satan tries to bring out, he is a crafty one, no question about it. So he's trying to undermine our Lord's trust in the Father. But where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus succeeds. He flies like a butterfly and stings like a bee. See? <laughs> the devil can't so much as get a glove on him. With each and every one of those temptations, Jesus just, Wah! he quotes scripture right back at him. He says, no, man shall not live by bread alone. No, we shall not put the Lord our God to the test. No, the Lord your God, him only shall you worship, him only shall you serve. Hua, hua, hua. Now I'm mixing my karate and my boxing, I guess. But Jesus is like the ultimate MMA fighter, right? He'll go for all of it. And he will not be laid low by the evil one. He is the one who goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the tempter for you and me and is still standing, who stands tall and does it in, on our behalf and in our place. He is the one who has the victory over the tempter for us. He is the, the one man whose righteousness, whose act of righteousness avails for all of us. One man's disobedience, Paul says, brought sin and death for all the world. But how much more? The one man, Christ Jesus, his obedience, his faithfulness in the face of the evil one avails for you and for me. When you are tempted, when you're enduring trials, the solution is not to think, all right, I know what to do. I've got the power to go against the evil one. Flee. Flee to the refuge of your Savior. He is the one who can and who has already had the victory over Satan in your place. See, the devil can't even get a glove on our Lord. Where Adam and Eve failed, he succeeds. And yet, you and I both know full well that Satan was ready for a rematch, right? Scripture says he waited for a more opportune time. And that opportune time, that rematch came when Christ was on Calvary. And you hear that same slithery voice, but now spoken through the crowds, the mob that's gathered there, as now they are crying out to Jesus. Ha! If he is the Son of God, come down from there! If he is beloved of God, then let him bring him down from the cross himself. And Jesus suddenly has all the sins of the world raining down on him like punches. Boom! 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 
boom, that sent him tumbling, not just out of the ring, but out of life itself, down, down, down into death. But after the fall, the champ is still standing. I told you what the sports writers chose as the greatest moment of the first half of the century. But I didn't totally tell you why. So they're fighting back and forth. The angel, that crafty angel, gets at Dempsey, gives him the cross to end all crosses, or seemingly so, and sends him tumbling right out of the ring. So what was it? Why was this so momentous? Is it the fact that it was this, this great favorite suddenly was laid low by this young upstart? Is it the fact that the, the wild bull of Argentina was able to defeat the great champion of America? Is it just because of, of how incredible it was to see him totally flown right out of the ring? Is it the fact that he had such a great fall? No. It's because he got up again. 80,000 people on their feet watching as Dempsey tumbles out of the ring bashes his head on a typewriter in the first row. He is bloodied and bruised. He is stumbling all over the place as the, the ref is counting down. One, two, three. The people who were there say that he counted extra slow. <laughs> but to their amazement and rejoicing, Dempsey climbs back into the ring bruised and bloodied but not beaten, and suddenly unleashes a torrent of punches. Boom, boom, boom. You give me a cross, let me give you a haymaker to end all haymakers. And in under a minute, he KOs that angel and makes him a fallen angel. That's why it was chosen as the best moment. Because after the fall, the champ is still standing. Just so for your Savior. He looks like he is down for the count, down all the way down into death. Surely he will not rise again, but Christ Jesus would not stay down. Bruised and bloodied, but not beaten, on the third day he comes up once again. And with a haymaker to end all haymakers, he drops, boom, sin, death, and yes, the devil. For you and for me, because after the fall, our champion is still standing once and for all. Amen? Amen. But you know, there's an epilogue to the story. And I'll let the sports journalist, Alan Barra, tell it for us. Going back to the fight, he says, And then, in a moment of almost heartbreaking pathos, the lion of just seconds before, meaning Dempsey, turned into a lamb, stooping down to help up his bloody, beaten foe as the more than 80,000 in attendance at the polo grounds roared their approval. Now make no mistake, I don't mean to say that Jesus stooped down and helped the devil up, right? But he does indeed as not only the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is also our lamb of God. And when you fail, and when you fall, when you are bruised and bloodied by this mortal life, 
your Savior stoops down to lift you up. And the evil one, he's still like some playground bully who wants to whisper all of those lies into your ear. If you were beloved by God, if you were a real Christian, is this what you would do? But when you hear that voice, you can say, Psh, be gone, Satan. Because after the fall, my champion is still standing. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.